true believers and strap in as we journey with Matt Spectro through the multiverse. Excelsior! Not to mention the evil genius and brilliant leadership of myself. Open the sky! Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Matt Spectro through the multiverse! joining us once again for another exciting episode of Matt Spectro through the multiverse. I am Matt Spectro. I am your host. This is the podcast exclusively about animation that springs from the world of comic books. We've got three rules here. Number one, I just explained. Number two, just like the old team up books, DC Comics presents Marvel team up, Marvel two in one. I'm always teaming up with a special guest as we tackle the world of comic book animation. And the third rule and most important, we gotta have fun. Welcome to episode 19. You didn't uh, tune in just to hear me talk, so we're gonna go right to my guest. He is co-owner of the New England Pro Wrestling Academy. Welcome to the multiverse, Max Smashmaster. I'm here, finally. I'm, I'm here. Yeah, finally. We talked about this, I think, at like the beginning of the summer, and now it's uh, finally happening. The second someone comes out with a podcast, I am... I am here for it, and I am ready to go, so I'm happy to be actually on the podcast finally. Thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. Yeah, this is right up my wheelhouse, so a little bit about me is I wasn't a good reader as a kid, so comic books, like, I love the covers, I love the pictures, but reading was not my strong suit. So when I saw all these cartoons and whatnot, that, that's what really drove me into these types of characters. Now, before we get into... This week's topic, I wanted to bring up something to you that's its not completely unrelated, but somewhat unrelated. Mm-hmm. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, we're going to do this now? <laughs> superheroes, right? So they, they have to be superheroes. I mean, it's in their name in Europe. They're Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles, right? So they're, they're technically heroes. But why wouldn't they be super? For anybody who's wondering why we're talking about this, uh, a couple of months ago when I did the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle episode, there was a little uh, social media debate on whether or not they were superheroes, and myself and Max both, we took the side of they are superheroes. It's just Crockett. Crockett wants to be the contrarian for everything, always. He's much like his friend Brian Fury. If he's not right, you're wrong. So So, uh, for everybody out there, like I say every week... uh, I want to make clear that uh, I am not an expert. I'm just a guy who likes comic books and likes talking about them. I don't claim to be an expert. I try and be as educated as I can, (laughs) but I do get it wrong. So uh, please do not uh, go nuts in the comments if I do. And there's going to be spoilers. (laughs) Yeah, spoilers for this almost 30-year-old show. (laughs) So uh, for the first time ever, it's hard to believe episode 19, and we're just now getting to the Uncanny X-Men. Arguably the most popular franchise in comic book. I mean, definitely Marvel, but some would argue the most popular franchise in all of comic books. Yeah, especially in the 90s. I think uh, Batman's definitely always been number one, but X-Men is huge 
for us, for our age age group, huge. Yeah, especially in the 90s. Not only the cartoon, but uh, comics in the 90s were huge, especially the X titles, X-Force, and uh, that's when Cable and Deadpool both were introduced in the 90s. I believe the first X-Men movie came out in 1998. Was it 2000? It was okay. 2000. It was practically It was either 99. No, it was definitely 2000. And uh, you were a child of the 90s, right? So I'm assuming this cartoon kind of holds a soft spot for you. I was born in 87. So this came out in 91, I believe, is uh, when it first came out. So yeah, this is right up my alley. I remember meeting one of my childhood best friends and our first words to each other was, do you like X-Men? So it's like, it's this is deep within me. Now, also disclosure, I've never been a huge X-Men fan. I, I don't dislike them. I've They've had some great stories. I like some of the characters, but they were never, I was not a passionate reader and collector of the X books. Uh, why? I, I think the only thing, I, I never could get past how in a world with Thor and Iron Man and the Fantastic Four, why these guys having powers because they were born with them was such a bad thing, why they were so frowned upon. It never made any <laughs> sense to me. They were mutants. <laughs> Yeah, it, it is tough that they're in the same universe, you know, technically, because, okay, why is it only them that they're being, you know, ostracized? Now, it makes a little more sense in the films, because the films, there's only mutants, there's no other superheroes, so the movies, it works a little better, but... Yeah. Now, the X-Men were created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, and it's kind of weird they got so popular, because they were kind of born out of laziness. Stan Lee has said many times that he had kind of run out of ways... He had done cosmic rays. He had done a radioactive spider. He did gamma rays. He was running out of ways for superheroes to get their powers. So we just said, ah, they're mutants. They're just, they're just born with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's so odd, right? It's, um, and then once they finally retconned it to like really make sense and it starts coming on with puberty and it's a, uh, it's like an evolutionary thing, then it at least makes sense then. But yeah, definitely laziness, like you said. Yeah, they, had, I mean, they definitely had retcon and they'd explored it more where, you know, it was kind of a metaphor for, you know, growing up. It was at some point using a metaphor for racism. Mm -hmm. But at the time, yeah, it wasn't, all that came later. So we're going to talk about uh, X-Men the Animated Series going back to the 90s, which uh, this and Batman the Animated Series, I really feel, were the two cartoons that launched the animation, the superhero animation craze of the 90s, if anybody remembers. We've talked about it many times on the show. Like Batman the Animated Series, X-Men, Superman, Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, they all had a cartoon. Yeah, the, the Spider-Man one from the 90s. Because I remember being a kid and seeing that old Spider-Man and the Amazing Friends with like Iceman and Firestar. And that one always seemed super hokey to me. Even It may have been only five years older than, you know, the time I was born. But it always seemed super hokey. And then you get these 90 ones. And you, I don't know, it made you feel like a, you were older than you were because they were tackling big issues you said to just watch the first episode but i couldn't just watch the first episode it's a two-parter i'm going to come on here and review half the story so I, I know exactly what it's about and there's a big big thing that happens in the end of the second episode we're going back to october 31st 1992 for night of the sentinels part one now, a little bit of background. In 1989, uh, Marvel Entertainment had done an X-Men pilot, Pride of the X-Men. I don't know if you've ever seen that because you were two years old when it came out. I may have seen it later on in life, gotcha. but I obviously didn't see it then. And it was the same production company that had done Spider-Man's Amazing Friends that you had mentioned and the Incredible Hulk cartoon. They were hoping to launch this into its own. And then 
Marvel Entertainment ran into some financial trouble where they were unable to turn it into a show. Imagine that these days. Yeah, it is crazy to think that the 90s Marvel had, I brought this up on past episodes, had financial trouble, but it was a thing at one point. Right. So then we fast forward um, to, I believe it was 1990 or 91, uh, a Margaret Loesch who had worked on it had become the head of Fox Children's Network. So she had pushed again for the X titles, had brought some of the other creators. They were going to do a pilot and she wanted to order 13 episodes. So they had hired a Sabin Entertainment who would also use a small studio called uh, Gru's Saban. Entertainment. Saban. Saban Entertainment. You know who Saban is? What else they made? Um, no, I've thought my- Power Rangers. Oh, no, you're right. Actually, uh, <laughs> Saban made Power Rangers. That, that's, they made two of my favorite things when I was a kid. So I was all about them. They had really had to rush this. They originally wanted a Labor Day release, but they were unable to get it because they didn't have enough manpower to get it done. A lot of people would come over from the Pride of the X-Men. The showrunners were Eric Luwald and a Julie Luwald, Larry Houston, who had worked on it, Sidney Awaner, Mark Eddins. Mark Eddins, who also is the, one of the writers, and he wrote the episode that we're going to watch mm-hmm. in a few minutes, Night of the Sentinels Part 1. So one thing I'm going to just add in here is the Luwalds that you just mentioned actually recently put out a book. So it's like a coffee table book, and it's X-Men, the art and making of the animated series. So they have all their original artwork and like sketches and ideas for every single aspect of every single episode of the show, and it's all in this book. And if anyone's like interested in that, I completely recommend picking it up. Right now, it's only like 25 bucks on Amazon. But it is awesome. I have it. It's just every sketch and how they were able to use so many characters without having to need the licenses. There's so much in it. And the weird thing is, is uh, Eric and Julie had both said they weren't super familiar with the X-Men when they started working on the project, which makes it even more impressive how well the cartoon came out. Yeah, because they just, they wanted to make a good show. Yeah. The weird thing is, is uh, I read an interview with them while doing research, and they said a lot of people in Hollywood said that this wasn't going to be successful because the X-Men weren't popular, they were too weird, and they were, quote, too inside comic booky. <laughs> well, uh, huge mistake, because this, I think, was one of the top-rated animated series of, you know, like, right after it came out. It was really quick. Yeah, right off the bat, it was like an, almost an overnight success. Yeah. It ran for five seasons. Oh, the last season stinks. <laughs> it's horrible. Some other like uh, animators and everything, they changed the animation. It is horrible. You should watch it. I watched this, uh, and my daughter actually, uh, she gets uh, fascinated by cartoons. She actually was kind of enjoying it. So, and being the fact there's four females on it, I'm going to maybe try and have her watch some of it with me. <laughs> and that's one thing. It's like, I never really thought about it as a kid. But you immediately get Jubilee, who's number one, and that's kind of to put any kid out there from the ages of five to 15 to be able to put themselves into the show. And then immediately the the next two people you see who are mutants are Storm and Rogue, Uh, not to get ahead of ourselves, but it really is like right off the bat, really female heavy, which is cool because usually it's Iron Man or Spider-Man, especially in this time. Uh, Silver Surfer, they all had animated cartoons after, but none of them really had the focus on like female characters or any other characters other than just the male. Yeah, to my knowledge, this is the first in a comic or a cartoon where there was just as many women in the group as there were men. 
Yeah. And I believe Eric Lewald and Julia had both said that uh, usually it was, you have to put a token woman in there. <laughs> and this was like a refreshing change because some of the characters just lined up with the story they were going to do and happened to turn out being the four women that get used in here. And plus, if you look through, um, heavily influenced, they took a lot of influence from different comic books. A lot of, uh, of the stories, characters were actually taken from the comics, which was kind of rare at that point. Super Friends, Spider-Man is Amazing Friends, they didn't do a lot of, they took characters, but they didn't do a lot of translating of actual stories from the comic book. So that's what made this kind of unique at the time. You know, there's another X-Men cartoon that came out, and uh, I was talking to one of my friends about it, another comic booky nerd. It was in the beginning of the 2000s, like early 2000s, I believe it's called X-Men, oh no, it's called Wolverine and the X-Men. This show is great, and they really took a ton from the comics and like translated the stories, but just no one was into those types of stories at the time, so it, it kind of failed after the first season, but they set up a huge one. You know, I know you said you weren't a big X-Men fan, but I'm sure you've heard of Age of Apocalypse. Like They set up to tell that story, and then they got canceled right away. So you know, there's other great X-Men cartoons, not just this one. Now, they said also uh, the only problems they ran into was uh, they wanted some more heavy material, a little bit more adult, which they got a lot of pushback. And they said there was a lot of pushing for finding ways to sell the toys through the cartoon as well. Yeah. yeah. They did a great job of that. I, th I think in the book that, that I read, they wanted to have like this random, uh, I think it was like a dragon or a dog character who wasn't in the X-Men. They were like, ah, they need a a dragon or a dog, and they need to go around in a van and solve mysteries. The show writers were like, uh, that's just Scooby-Doo. <laughs> the, the studios were trying to push them to do some really kind of, you know, rehash stuff and make like a X-Men into the Scooby-Doo. But they're like, no, let's let us make the show we wanted to make. And then they did. And thankfully they did. <laughs> You cut out for a second. Did you actually say they wanted to have them add like a an animal sidekick and solve mysteries? <laughs> yeah, they wanted they wanted him to have. I'd have to reread the book, but it's it's either a dragon or a dog, who was like not a mutant, not in any, not like a Marvel character at all, just a made up for the show, and have them get into a van and solve mysteries. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's the studio for you. So as always, if you listen to the show, I always try and give credit where credit is due. Professor X is on this. Um, we're going to just go over the, the cast of characters. He was created by Stanley and Jack Kirby. He is voiced by a, a Cedric Smith, who has done a ton of voiceover work. Wolverine was created by Roy Thomas, Len Wein, and John Romita Sr. Yeah, Wolverine was a, a Hulk villain originally, right? Yeah, he first appeared in, a, in a Hulk 181. And then when they did the new X-Men in Giant Size X-Men number one, they were like, well, we're trying to go international. We already have a Canadian mutant, so let's just, let's bring him in. Yeah. And Len Wein, I believe, wrote Giant Size X-Men number one as well. So, you know, he had <laughs> already created the character. Now, uh, Cathal Dodd did his voice, and he actually did Wolverine's voice uh, through video games and other cartoons all the way up to 2000. I think in, in uh, Pride of the X-Men, Wolverine was actually Australian in that. Yeah, so I hear this weird Australian accent, and then it was like that. And uh, when he showed up in Spider Man's Amazing Friends, he had the more Australian sounding accent. Uh, I read that, I believe Larry Houston said that Crocodile Dundee was popular at the time, so for some reason, the uh, studio yes. was wanting him <laughs> to have 
an Australian accent. Yeah, anything but the X-Men is what they wanted. <laughs> um, now, uh, Cyclops, created by Stanley and Jack Kirby. Uh, a Norm Spencer, the late Norm Spencer, actually he passed away. He voiced him, and he also had voiced Cyclops through the video games, the cartoons, just like uh, Wolverine. In fact, a lot of these people stuck with the X roles for quite some time. Jean Grey was created by Jack Kirby and Stanley. And a Catherine uh, Disher, I believe, is uh, voiced her. And a fun fact, she was married at one point to Cedric Smith, the voice of Professor X. Really? They divorce after the show. but in a, <laughs> And this is the second episode I've talked about where two voice actors were married. I, I found that kind of weird, to be honest with you. All right. We also have Gambit. He was created by Chris Claremont and Jim Lee. And he's voiced by a Chris Potter. He's most famous for playing Evan Owens on Young and the Restless. <laughs> really? <laughs> so this th- this used a lot of like almost no name, not in the neg- negative way, but like no name actors or voice actors. So everyone sounded very unique. And I, re- I remember reading that in the book. It's just everyone would sound very unique and not like they were from anything else. Yeah, this isn't um, not a lot of voices. They, they did other stuff here and there and after, but not a lot that were like, it wasn't like a Casey Kasem or anything like that or yeah. you knew exactly who they were. Rogue, created by Chris Claremont and Michael Golden. A Lenore Zane voiced her and a fascinating bit, she is now a member of parliament for the House of Common in Canada. You, you would think it would be someone like Storm. Storm's got that big booming voice in this show. Every time Storm speaks, it's like from the heavens. Now, it's weird. Storm was... Voiced by two different actresses, uh, I think only one for the first season, and um, her name was uh, I- Iona, I think, I-O-N-A, I don't know how you say that. but uh, I don't know. Iona Morris. Now, her claim to fame, well, I don't have a claim to fame, she's sister of Phil Morris, who played Jackie Childs in Seinfeld, and uh, he also played the Martian Manhunter in Smallville, and he's Cyborg's dag on, on the Doom Patrol. Oh, that's right up uh, Crockett's alley, producer Crockett. There's another actress who voiced her beyond season one. So I got to ask Allison you. Allison Seeley Smith ended up doing it after that and to the end of the show. Yeah, go ahead. Did you watch this when you were younger? Well, I'm a bit older than you. Yeah, I know that. So I didn't watch it on like Saturday mornings, but I did. I was still very much into comic books in the 90s. So I did try and watch all of the. Uh, did you like sneak it in? Yeah. So like. Your friends didn't see you. I understand. <laughs> well, I was friends with a lot of nerds at the time, so I didn't really. Have to, well, actually, I'm still friends with a lot of nerds now, so <laughs> you don't say. Yeah. <laughs> and Storm was also created by Len Wein and Dave Cockrum. Beast is created by Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. George uh, Buza voiced him, and uh, he played Santa Claus in Christmas Horror Story. You must have seen I that. I couldn't tell you what that is, no. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, finally, rounding out the cast is one Jubilee, created by Chris Claremont and Mark Silvestri. She is voiced by an Allison Court, who uh, the biggest thing I could find, she is voiced Claire Renfield in the Resident Evil games all the way up to 2012. Oh, okay. Yeah, people don't give enough, I mean, depends on what group you're in, but. Chris Claremont and Jim Lee are really the inspiration for this show. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, Jack Kirby and, and Stan Lee, but like that adjectiveless X Men, you know, whatever, X Men Volume 2, whatever you want to call it, is really what 
isn't that like the most the highest selling comic book of all time? Yeah, it still is to this day. That X Men number one yeah. relaunch with Claremont and Jim Lee is still to this day the highest selling comic ever. It's crazy. They sold millions of that thing. So like then they made the the show after it, and I remembered having that comic. I just had it because I think my brother he was six years he is six years older than me, so he had a lot of comic books and. I just remember loving the cover because it, it was pure action, tons of color, and you could put four of them together and make like the full you know, picture, which I actually have on the wall behind me above my X-Men action figure collection. So, I don't know, that that, that is 100% nostalgia for me, as well as the show. Yes, uh, even though Kirby and Lee did create them, really... The most famous aspects of the X-Men were almost all created by Chris Claremont. Yeah. Yep. And remind me later on the show to get get back to those X-Men 90s uh, action figures. I want to So get... I, don't, I don't have any of the, the 90s ones. I have all the recent ones of those. So all the, like the Marvel Legends from the past 10 years of, you know, those designs. So, and I'll, I'll send you plenty of pictures. I had a, a couple of them. I had the Colossus who had the giant... Barbell. Uh, oh, yeah, barbell, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, they, they eventually used that, and this can jump into another realm of ours, is they used that same barbell for a Goldberg Toy Biz action figure <laughs> later on. That exact same barbell. <laughs> Marvel was making, uh, I don't want to get too much into it, but WCW action figures back in, in the late 90s. So it's really weird. Well, they did have that WCW comic book. I don't know if you ever yep. Uh, yep. remember that. <laughs> that as well, which I still think is a little strange. but <laughs> Said a warrior, but I digress. So we're going to take a break and when we come back. We're going to watch and talk about X Men the Animated Series, Night of the Sentinels, Part One. When we come back, stay with us. Hey, kid, you think you're an X Men, okay? Name them Wolverine, Cyclops, Beast, Gambit, Rogue, Sabretooth, Magneto, Cable, Storm, Professor X. Phoenix, Bishop, Archangel, Apocalypse, Iceman. You forgot some. Mr. Sinister, Omega Red, Colossus, Juggernaut, Weapon X, Sauron, Longshot, Fire, Gladiator. Name them. Join them. Collect them. The X-Men Collection. Sold separately. How'd you like to win the Ultimate X-Men Contest? I do not believe it. Well, believe it, because here's your chance to win not only all 12 X-Men home videos and a Marvel comic, but also your own real-life X-Men arcade game. How about a game of one-on-one? Sure. Now you can play the full-size X-Men arcade game without ever leaving home. I'll teach you to invade my universe. There's more. 250 others will win their own complete X-Men home video library and a Marvel comic. To enter, send a postcard with your name and address to Fox X-Men Home Video Madness, P.O. Box 230, Los Angeles, 90078. Hurry, entries must be in by June 29th, or... All bets are off. You may bend the most popular comic book in the world. You voted the television premiere, your favorite Fox Kids show. Now, those amazing mighty mutants are back in one incredible hour that'll not out. Surrender, mutant. Of course not. This one is for you. Watch the series premiere of X-Men next Saturday morning on Fox. Meanwhile, at the Podcast of Justice. 
right, and we are back, and we just watched Night of the Sentinels Part 1. And uh, I just want to say the reason we're only going to be talking about Part 1 is uh, we're going to either sell you, and you need to go and watch Part 2, or we're going to convince you not to with our review, depending on our thoughts when we get to the end of the show. i got to say, uh, I'd forgotten how great and catchy the intro music is. The best. Literally the best. Maybe blowing out the mic a few times here in this episode, but <laughs> the music for this is... Poof. If you don't get fired up from it, you don't have a soul. And they do the smart thing in the intro where they don't assume you know the character. So everybody is like introduced. Everyone gets a title card. Demonstrating Great. their powers. Yeah, it's perfect. So we open up with a newscast of Sabretooth. He's kicking ass downtown. He's taking on some cops. How stacked is Sabretooth? <laughs> he is shredded. He has more muscles than you've ever seen in your life. And he's just destroying people. Throws a police car at one point. <laughs> And then uh, you see that uh, these two people are watching the TV and they say how uh, the fact that he's a mutant is even worse, which I thought it was a little weird, like him throwing a police car. How could it be any worse at that? <laughs> so, so these two people turn out to be Jubilee's parents. And then you learn very quickly. It's almost like they wrote half the episode, then they wrote the second half of the episode after a few days. So it's like, they're her parents, and then they're her foster parents. Did that come across in the first scene? Because I, no, I, 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 I felt like, yeah, I didn't catch on to that until later on. They're like, oh, our darling little girl, Jubilee. And then two minutes later, they're like, she's only been here for a year. She's a foster. <laughs> okay, you love her that much after a year? They say that they've uh, they've registered with the Mutant Control Agency. Mm-hmm. And he says, it's not like a prison. It's, a, uh, it's an outreach program. Yep. And he says it's for their own good. She's listening. She overhears that uh, her dad hopes the neighbors don't find out that she's a mutant. <laughs> I mean, we can go right into the next scene. It's like, isn't she like crying? Yeah, she's crying. Because they're so sad about it. And then it shows her room. And it's 730 at night because it shows the clock. It's like 730. It's dark out. And she's got like a bunch of pillows under blankets in her room. And then you see this guy flying towards the what you assume is her house. And I thought it was Magneto. Did you get the same vibe? Yeah, that's what I thought when I first, uh, even though it was called Night of the Sentinels, it kind of looked like Magneto. I was like, oh shit, Magneto comes? And then immediately it's it's a Sentinel who lands outside and no one says a word. No one is flustered or scared that this enormous monster just crushed a car outside. Yeah, and if you didn't watch it and you don't know what the Sentinels are, they, they're robots literally like the size of Godzilla. <laughs> and then... It's a funny kind of like point of perspective. The Sentinel punches through the wall to grab Jubilee, which would have just killed her immediately because he demolished it. He crushes the bed in his hand. And finally, when that happens, her parents go, what was that? <laughs> As if the, you wouldn't be more startled about your entire house shaking. <laughs> now, um, did you notice Jubilee... Uh... She's right off the bat, she's essentially wearing her superhero costume, if I'm not mistaken. I was going to say that. She's just so cool. It's like It wasn't raining, but she's got this big yellow raincoat on. She's got her sweet Bret Hart glasses, gloves, obviously, so she's not shooting fireworks everywhere. Before that had happened where the Sentinel broke in, I love how uh, they said, how, uh, look what she did to the VCR. And I was <laughs> like, what a reference. <laughs> <laughs> There's one line that I'm going to get to. That is so good when the cops finally come. But uh, it, don't they like see her? Oh, do they see her at the arcade now or do they see 
Yeah, that, the cops come in. Yeah, first you see that um, – well, they, they said a line where, like you would reference earlier, where they say, are you sorry you took Jubilee in? So now we've established she is actually a foster child. Uh, okay, yeah. Here's where the line is. So this is really funny. Fire away. <laughs> they go, we don't know much about her. She usually keeps her secrets to herself. <laughs> it's like, well, they wouldn't be f***ing secrets. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> So they go, uh, Jubilee's at the arcade. She's crying, playing a game. And you see that the Sentinels, he's just walking through downtown, like wreaking havoc at this point. Oh, yeah. No one's selling a thing. Why? Did the X-Men really need to save a mutant before they're going to stop a giant robot from trashing whatever city? Yeah, it was really weird because this Sentinel, and we learn a little bit more later, he's just destroying stuff, trying to get to this one person for some reason just jubilee he doesn't care about anyone he wants her dead so he's crushing stuff and unless he's like dead in front of you you don't know he's there (laughs) did you see what jubilee does like as she comes down the escalator he's hiding behind a wall in the mall people are running for their lives and she's just like nope doesn't understand what's going on so uh, she uh, she ends up blowing up the arcade machine, and the guy asks her, oh, yeah. "Do you know how much that costs?" And she says, "A quarter." <laughs> and for some reason, bizarre reason to me anyway, he says, "You're one of them, aren't you?" <laughs> yeah, what an asshole. He says, "We don't want any lousy mutants in here." I don't know how he even. This guy's got to be like Sherlock Holmes level deduction that he managed to figure out she was a mutant. Doesn't he say you've done it? Like that's the third one. He said something, yeah, like that she had done that. Yeah, something like that's the third one this week or something. I don't know. Maybe I made that up in my head for context, but <laughs> And then an amazing coincidence, she runs right into Rogan Storm. Right into him. <laughs> There's another thing, because immediately it cuts to a scene of Gambit in the same mall, dressed like a complete buffoon. <laughs> like a like a like an idiot. He's got that head thing on, which only Superheroes from 1990 to 1995 war. He's got boots up past his knees, <laughs> metal, a jacket. Uh, he's pretty sure he has a staff and he's trying to buy playing cards. Yep. And um, she <laughs> put a pin in that just for one second. Okay. When Jubilee ran into them, Rogue says, I wonder what bug run up her shorts. <laughs> this, this is all, all gold. <laughs> Every bit of it. So, yeah, they went to Gambit, who's in full-on Gambit outfit in the middle of a shopping mall buying playing cards, like you had mentioned. The girl is obviously attracted to this buffoon. I don't know. He must be really good-looking despite his wardrobe. He's so (laughs) in love. Yeah, his jet black and red eyes haven't thrown her off that he's a mutant. And uh, she's, like, so in love with him. He says uh, he likes playing solitaire. (laughs) <laughs> Unless he has someone to play with. <laughs> um, I don't know if it's this scene or the next one where this girl in the mall is so in love with Gambit. She goes, do you see anything else you like? <laughs> <laughs> Just letting you know he's a ladies man. Yeah, and he, he said, don't go away. Uh, so he was definitely going to get at least a phone number out of that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or she was going to be murdered by this sentinel who's <laughs> destroying the entire mall. I do like when Jubilee was, uh, she was bumping into people trying to escape and she called them dweebs. And that kind of <laughs> made me laugh. I don't know why. <laughs> so uh, the sentinel catches up with him and he's got her in a metal, 
Uh, I can't even talk. The Sentinels got her in like a big mental. I can't say the word metal for <laughs> metal <laughs> tentacle. And a uh, storm comes to the rescue and like announces that I storm mistress of the elements demand you reach the child. <laughs> say that again. She says, I storm mistress of the elements demand you release that child. <laughs> Everything storm says is literally like you could pull it from the Bible. It's, it's so good. And I always ask, I've asked this on, if anyone's listened to, I've always asked, like, you know how they say Morphin Time and He-Man says, by the power of Grayskull. If they don't say these things, do their powers not work? I've always wondered that. Uh, yes, of course, with, especially with the, the Power Rangers. If they don't yell, it's Morphin Time. They do not morph. That's how you connect to the morphing grid. And then Rogue says, I, I can't quite do the accent, but she's like, Latin up on the speeches, sugar. <laughs> I, what is Rogue's accent is definitely Louisiana. Yeah, right? she's supposed to be like from the Creole. French Quarter. Of, yeah, Creole, basically. Yeah. Okay. Which kind of got ignored in the live action movies, if you. Yeah, uh, for sure. <laughs> and then um, they go to the viewpoint of the Sentinel, and he kind of looks like you know the the viewpoint of the old Terminator. Yep. And he looks at Storm and uh, Rogue and says, "They're unidentified mutants. Ignore." <laughs> <laughs> he just wants to kill Jubilee. Yeah, he's just got it in for Jubilee. Capture Jubilee. Yeah. I mean, are crazy? Weren't these things specifically designed to take out mutants? Yes, but not them. Only Jubilee. <laughs> and now, in an awesome moment, Storm, after saving Jubilee, Rogue literally punches the Sentinel right in the face. <laughs> <laughs> yep. This is the Rogue I like. It's never explained why she can fly, but she can fly. And she is like super strength, even if she doesn't touch anyone to get their super strength. The live action movies completely did away with that. And she just like, she just touched people and took their powers and that's all of it. But this is the rogue guy, like, because she's like a badass. What's well, weird in the comics, they had done one thing where she had absorbed enough of Ms. Marvel's powers where she like permanently had them, but that never to my knowledge, ever got referenced like in the cartoon. So she just... No, no, never. Is super strong and can fly all the time. <laughs> yeah, because Rogue came in in giant-sized X-Men, right? No, she actually originally part of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Oh, okay. And then she did a, she did a baby face turn and, oh, yeah, uh, and yeah. joined the X-Men. I remember that. So the Sentinel blasts them through the skylight, both Rogue and Storm. The uh, Sentinel tells Gambit to stand aside... Because he also is another mutant that the Sentinel doesn't care about. <laughs> he blasts him with one of his playing cards. I got to be honest, I've never quite understood Gambit's superpowers. Something to do with kinetic energy. But. Yeah, he can energize anything that he touches. As a child, I thought that was so cool. I don't know. I thought for some reason the cloth on his hand, which is just a glove, helped him energize whatever it was so he could throw it and it would explode. I don't know. I thought he was so cool. So when he hits him with the playing guard, and uh, this is one of my favorite lines, is uh, Jubilee said, how'd you do that? And Gambit says, with style. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. It's so good. Oh, wait. Now I remember what it was. He said Gambit is an unregistered mutant and he's expendable. Those were the words. (laughs) Oh, okay. Okay. Wait, does that mean that Storm and Rogue were registered mutants? Well, I know. He says they're unidentified and just to ignore them. So I have no idea. So yeah, somehow they had identified Gambit at some point. But he is hellbent on getting his hands on Jubilee. He like is... Oh yeah. Nothing else matters. We get to see her power. She shoots her like firework lasers at the Sentinel. Doesn't really have much of an effect on him a little bit. Yeah. He drops a gas bomb and uh, she's about to pass up and Cyclops shows up. 
And then like he literally like blasts the robot's head off right with his his vision, but like, boom, like blows his head completely off. Yeah, one go, omega level mutant gone, takes out the uh, the sentinel. I think he even said something about being an expert, but I uh, I might be remembering that wrong. Well, that's just the way to get an X word in there, <laughs> expert. So uh, Jubilee, the next scene, she wakes up and she's in bed. She's in the mansion. The door's locked, but she uses her powers to uh, open it, and she's. Sneaking around the mansion, then you get your first glimpse of Beast. He's upside down doing a chemistry experiment. Yeah, because he can't do that on his feet. I always preferred the blue Beast to the original Beast. The gray Beast, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, there was the original Beast was just a guy in a, a suit. Yeah, with like big arms and big feet and all that. But I've always preferred the blue one, so I'm glad they went with this version. Yeah, then there was gray Beast and then blue. I prefer blue because that's, I mean, I'm a 90s kid, so... He was always blue to me. Blue is the best. I've always thought that. Yeah. And then she goes to uh, Murph, who's watching TV now. Uh, Morph. Morph, you're right. <laughs> yeah, he morphs into people. Morph. I uh, my own. Ha- I couldn't read my own handwriting. I thought my O was a U. <laughs> I hated Morph's laugh so bad. Yes. Why is he laughing all the time? <laughs> right? He's like, changes into somebody. He's like, <laughs> it's like okay, I, I want this guy to die. Now, he is actually was based on a character called Changeling. Yep. But they changed him to Morph because of uh, the Teen Titans uh, changeling who was later on went back to being Beast Boy. Yeah, and then he was also in uh, Age of Apocalypse as like a completely different character. He has a really cool look in Age of Apocalypse, but yeah, they're both based off changeling. And then they're both called Morph. You see that he um, he changes into a senator on TV. He changes into the, uh, well, it wasn't Calvin Klein. It was uh, Calvin Clove. Was that what it was? Yeah, it was something. I can't remember the second name, but this third one gets me and then he turns into jubilee and now she's shocked yeah (laughs) she she watched him transform twice and then he transforms into her and she's like oh no (laughs) she goes into this room with a bunch of different monitors and uh peter guyrich is on one of them saying how all mutants are dangerous Mm -hmm. professor x and gene show up they they crawl in they're talking crawl and they walk (laughs) gene's like wait a minute these monitors were on and then Professor X uses his powers, you know, it's Jubilee, and he, like, announces the whole world that she's trying to escape. <laughs> and then she can't get out. She pushes a bunch of buttons to blast the door open, and she finally does get it to open. And then, like, you hear the computer say, uh, welcome to the beginning of the Wolverine Gambit training sequence. And, uh, she has to avoid, like, a, a giant spike ball. And uh, Gambit tells her this isn't the place. And then all of a sudden, it, Wolverine smashes through the wall. <laughs> There is no wall or door that can contain Wolverine. <laughs> he will cut that door or that wall in half, no problem. And I, I don't think you see it in this episode. It may be in the second episode, but there's a door and they reference it because he cuts through it, kicks it open, and Beast is like, we have the guard's keys. <laughs> I'll, bu- I'll buy him a new door, bub. So they're having a fight. He, he tackles uh, him and he says, you had enough, Cajun. And he said something I couldn't quite catch. And I, uh, like, if you had enough, say something in French, but I couldn't quite make out what Wolverine said. Yeah, he says, uncle. He says, you could have just said, uncle. (laughs) (laughs) Jubilee shouts, leave him alone and blast him. And uh, this also made me laugh when uh, Storm comes in and asks Wolverine if the child's okay. And Wolverine says, not for long, she isn't. (laughs) (laughs) He is pissed about that. And then it makes it worse is everybody's laughing, not just Morph's 
annoying laugh like everybody's <laughs> laughing at Wolverine. <laughs> and then he growls. Storm gives him a big thing about how, explains the Jubilee, this is the danger room. She asks what a mutant is and she explains how, you know, just like you, we all got our powers when we were your age. We are the X-Men. And she says, my name is Storm. This interaction was weird to me. Uh, she says, we're the X-Men and my name is Storm. And she says, your name makes sense. My name is Jubilee. I blow stuff up. <laughs> She's not wrong. She doesn't Isn't understand. Jubilee like her name? Yeah, Jubilation Lee is her name. Um, <laughs> so, so for some reason, her foster parents just shortened it to Jubilee. <laughs> She's acting like this is like her superhero name. She didn't know she was a mutant until like 10 minutes earlier on the show. <laughs> yeah, maybe she thinks her first name is actually Storm. That could be. Uh, she hasn't. Yeah, she never <laughs> introduced herself as Aurora or anything, so she just says Storm. Yeah, so. right, right. And then she says that we're gifted, and she says that's a nice way of saying we're weirdos and we're mutants. Weirdo is such a 90s, like 80s and 90s word. It's like no one right now says weirdo. I couldn't tell you the last time I heard anyone, <laughs> anyone say weirdo. And um, when she explains it's a school, she, Jubilee says, aren't you guys old, too old for school? <laughs> or were you all held back? <laughs> Perfect. She explains how, you know, they got a lot to learn and uh, about their powers and helping mankind. They jump to Professor X, so he's downloaded the, the memories from the robot's camera. And he says that pick is from the mutant registration form. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I know what you mean. A little callback to what happened earlier when they registered Jubilee with the, the mutant registry. That's why probably he was so hell-bent on getting Jubilee. Those damn foster parents. Cyclops asked that the government be against mutants. And Professor X is like, no, no, no. They are a private organization, but someone must have a hidden agenda. They do. So then they switch to... Uh, Peter Guyrich, she's questioning Jubilee's parents, and Jubilee's running to warn him. And she doesn't see the giant sentinel hiding next to a building. <laughs> this is the second time. She literally <laughs> runs by, and he's like leaned up against the wall, like hiding, and she doesn't even see. And it's like there's no one else around to be screaming in terror of this massive robot who's been obviously he got there somehow. So either he flew in and made a shit ton of noise or he walked up and made a ton of noise. Like how did no one else know that this thing was there to alert her that he's hiding from her? He's hiding between two like buildings that are at least five or six stories. Like nobody looked out their window in that 10 second time. <laughs> so he ends up capturing Jubilee because he uses more of that knockout gas. And the last thing she sees is uh, the Sentinels with Guy Rich standing over her. Did this already happen or was it earlier in the show? Where someone was like, goes up to a cop and says, do something about this thing. And, and the cop goes, what do you want me to do? Arrest them? <laughs> no, that was when yeah, the Sentinel first was tearing up the city. She's like, do something. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so they go, they have a shot of the, the mutant registry headquarters where they must have dozens and dozens of mutant files. And Logan says they should uh, shred them. Eh? <laughs> They do a great job of setting up every single person you see. You know exactly what they're about. They do a pretty good job with Wolverine. Uh, the, the best they can do with a guy who they can't actually have him, you know, rip people to shreds with the claws. But they they do the, they really do capture his character pretty well on this show, I got to say. Is it this episode? Like I said, I watched the first two. Does he take out that Sentinel right here near the end? I think that happens on the second episode of I Okay, Mark, right? because... He tears up this Sentinel. And you can imagine it's a person. Because he is like... 
shredding this thing, destroying it. And it's like, oh my God, if that was a person, they'd be blood everywhere. So they decide they're going to go into a team, Storm, Beast, Morph, and Wolverine. They're going to infiltrate the headquarters, try and sneak these plans out. Oh, yeah. And then Cyclops, he has a big heart-to-heart with Professor X about how they both uh, believe in peace, and they're not sure this is the right move. Professor X, you know, agrees with them, but says, we got to go forward, and he walks off. Wolverine was there the whole time and says, uh, what's the matter? The teacher's pet got cold feet. Oh, gets him. Immediately, you know that they don't like each other. Yeah, right. And you can see Cyclops's uh, the little light just blinks in his eyes for a second, like you know <laughs> that that cold feet comment really got him stuck. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Wolverine says, "Anytime, pretty boy." Oh, so good. I was a Wolverine kid, like through and through. You couldn't get me to like Cyclops. <laughs> well, Wolverine, I don't dislike Cyclops, but I mean, Wolverine was such a cooler character especially back then there was nobody like him oh he's so cool he smoked cigars he drank beer he kicked ass he fought he didn't care he didn't have a... he's the stone cold steve austin of the marvel universe <laughs> he didn't mind getting his hands <laughs> dirty if he had to like he, no. he had kind of a code but if push came to shove he took care of business He'll murder you and uh he says he's gonna go after jubilee because they know that she's run off and cyclops says uh they gotta do the job first Wolverine tells him he goes where he wants to go. So cool. And Gambit gets in his way and he's like, out of my way, gumbo. <laughs> I don't know why. So funny to me. Well, I'm a big, I'm a huge fan of like insults on like stuff that's made for younger audiences because you know they can only go so far. Yep. <laughs> if anybody ever said this to you in real life, you wouldn't be mad. You would probably just laugh your ass off. I mean, if someone called you pretty boy, would you if you <laughs> would you really get all that angry? <laughs> no, it's a compliment. So the jet lands and a uh, rogue starts talking about the first time she got her power. She remembered kissing a boy, but put him into a coma. Ooh. Very similar to what happened in the uh, first X Men movie, in fact. Yep. And then she said that's when the boys quit calling. <laughs> Jeez. Not to get too crude here, but I don't know if a girl's good enough that she's putting me in a coma. I think I'd be uh, calling back. <laughs> Listen, speaking out happened last year, and I'm not, I'm not ready to be part of number two. So, <laughs> and, uh, B says uh, his problems came because he had dandruff, <laughs> which was the most random. Imagine a child me. like my age, like hearing a dandruff joke and be like, "Ha ha, yes, that really resonated with me." More if he just turned into the principal when he got in trouble. But he can only do that from like age 13 and up because their powers didn't come on until they hit puberty. Yeah. And I always wonder with these people that shapeshift, do they grow? Because it's like, yeah, right. you and I are tall guys, but if we were going to like shapeshift to someone shorter, would <laughs> yeah, we be our height? fat now. Would we, yeah. Would we look like them our height or would we shrink when we shapeshift? Yeah. Oh, that's a great, that's a great conversation. Can we gain and lose mass? Because like- Something like Loki, it's an illusion, so he would obviously look like he was smaller. Okay, but some okay. of these people like him and Mystique are like literal shapeshifters, so. This is a great conversation, yeah. Yeah, I've always wondered. Maybe that. they can like fill with air. Maybe they've tackled this in the comic at one point. I, it's Anything's possible. Send him a letter. So a uh, rogue-ass beast, if he's so smart, what makes us mutant? He says, could be gamma rays, pollution, or television. <laughs> As you're watching this on television. <laughs> and uh, Wolverine says it could be just lousy luck. And then he tells him that uh, you make a lot of noise. 
And they ask her if uh, he found Jubilee, and this was another great line of, her trail got cold, and I got bit by a dog. What? <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't remember that line at all. Yeah, that was like out of nowhere to me, but uh, definitely uh, <laughs> worked in the context. Sounds like a mixed metaphor. So uh, Storm, she you know she does her thing. She causes storm clouds uh, more fast if they can give him a boost over the fence, and Beast and Wolverine just toss him right over. <laughs> he turns into security guard, and then he suddenly has a gas gun out of nowhere, which he uses to knock out the other security guard. No explanation. Can he morph to have a gas gun? I I don't know. I mean, right? He didn't seem to have pockets on his X Men uniform, so I don't know if uh, where no, the gun is. He is just skin-tight, blue and yellow spandex. So then another security guard shows up, Storm blasts him. This is when the scene you were referencing earlier where they just show the inside of the door and you just see yes. Wolverine's claws just <laughs> rip through the door, like destroy it. It's so good. But this happens all the time throughout the entire series. If there's a door, Wolverine is destroying it. It's gone. And um, that's when, yeah, Beast had the uh, the keys from the security guard. No need to do that. Yep. Wolverine says he's going <laughs> to buy him a new door. This part, I thought, all right, this is the, I've made fun of stuff, but this next part is the only part of the show that I really thought was just stupid, was <laughs> Wolverine says there's infrared lasers. This is great. This is so good. <laughs> In like the worst way. It's obviously not good. Beast says you can sense them, and he's like, ah, I can smell the ozone. <laughs> Hold on, there's a big pause between, he goes, I can smell him. Ozone. (laughs) So, I'm no scientist, so maybe that's legit, I don't know, but it just seems so stupid at the time. potentially give off ozone gas, but wouldn't he smell ozone gas all the time? I would think so, but. (laughs) Right. And Storm does the old trick of using her miss where like in every TV show, movie, whatever, now you can see all the red lasers. Yeah, did, did she say something booming and godlike before this? She did. I, yeah, I, I can't uh, remember what it was, but she did do it. Uh, I, yeah, it's, it's there. It's always there. She didn't even need to do it because Beast just walks on the ceiling over it all anyway and <laughs> right? turns the power off. Or maybe he realized they were all low, so that way he could walk on the ceiling. Yeah, maybe he thought there was some on the ceiling. So, yeah, he just turns the power off. And uh, then they uh, switch to Rogue and Cyclops and the rest of them. And you see an armored truck is coming. And Rogue says (laughs) a line I've never heard, but it's pure gold. She says, Cyclops looks as nervous as a long-tailed cat. In a room full of rocking chairs. You've never heard? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're going to sit here and tell me you've never heard that line. I have never. <laughs> have you ever listened to Stone Cold Steve Austin's podcast? I have. Does he say that? I don't I He know. says it all the time. <laughs> he says it all. The, it's like an old, like, southern adage. <laughs> That's the only other place I've ever heard it. I haven't heard it in real life, and my wife's from the South. Well, I'm glad I'd never heard it because it made the line that much more appealing to me when she said, <laughs> nervous as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. It's great. They go to open the door and you see on the other end, you the audience see that the room is full of armored guards. They all have guns and all ready and they open the door and the screen goes black and we cut the credits. Oh yeah, so you missed the, the second part. 
I did. What a what a cliffhanger. It is such a cliffhanger, and it's like, oh, there's some good stuff in the second part. I wish I could do it, but I want people to go watch it, because to be honest, like if you want to see a setup of a ton of characters done well in 30 minutes for kids, obviously, this is it. Because what is it, 22 minutes long? Yeah, about that. Perfect amount of time. Did you happen to watch the credits? I did, where they, they did the cool, like, tail of the tape almost with everybody. Where like Tail of the tape, and it's like 3D, and I will let you know, that never changes. <laughs> they never update it. It's just the same. It's the same always, forever. Don't they get new members? They don't update the credits with the... Nope. Nope, because so what, the, what it was is they couldn't... A lot of the new characters, if they didn't use their name, then they weren't allowed to use them. So they would just say, like, mutant number one, mutant number two, whatever. And they would be background characters. But there was tons of characters that were, like, just in the show. And I'm talking maybe two, three hundred that were in the show that were never supposed to be or even allowed to be. But they were just, like, background characters or helper characters. But, yeah, it was always just the same, like, few X-Men. And they just recycled that end part. Yeah, I remember... Everybody in animation discovered computer animation in the 90s, but they could only afford just a little bit of it. So they always found some way to just sneak some in. Yeah. Just a little bit, not enough. Iron Man did the same thing. And I think even uh, the Spider-Man cartoon did. I don't think the DC ones did, but all the Marvel ones just managed to sneak in a little bit of uh, computer generated effects in their cartoons in the 90s. Yeah, especially at the end. I think it was, what was, I think Spider-Man's beginning, like this intro was in 3D. Yeah, when he's swinging through the cities, it's all in all the cities are like CG. Yeah, it's, yeah, it sucked. It, it, it wasn't. Was, it was horrible. It looked good at the time, but now it it's, it didn't age well. And this is coming from me, who legitimately loves Beast Wars, and it was fully three D. Every second of that show was in three D, and it it looks like shit. But there's some there's some great stories in that show. So you don't think it uh, even that stands up to the test of time? The stories do. But you can tell that they could only fit so many characters on screen at one time. If they put more than four characters, this thing was going to explode. And there you have it. X-Men animated series, Night of the Sentinels Part 1. So we're going to see whether or not we convince you to watch it or uh, convince you not to watch it. We're going to jump right to the spectrometer. Oh, I don't even know what this is. (laughs) The spectrometer. So the spectrometer for anybody new to the show, like my esteemed colleague, is a ranking system where we rank we watch from zero to four spectros, zero spectros being absolute dog crap, couldn't get any worse, four being perfection. Max Smashmaster, how do you rank X-Men the Animated Series, Night of the Sentinels, part one? For a first episode, in all that it's set up, by the end of it, you knew every character you knew their intentions, you knew who they liked, who they didn't like, and you knew the basis of the entire story. I'm going to give it three, because I don't think giving it four is fair, but I think three is uh, is a good score for this show. Is that out of this world? Is that too much? No, in fact, um, I am going to give it the exact same uh, spectros. I'm giving it three spectros as well. Uh, they definitely have some four Spectro episodes later on. Uh, I think the only flaw this has is uh, you could tell it was a little bit 
rush to kind of get everything to happen. Yep. But I like the animation style. I like the choice of characters they picked for the show. The music is one star on its own, maybe even two. Yeah, I, the music is tremendous. Um, I like the selection of characters. I like how they didn't stray much from, they didn't change the look drastically. Mm -hmm. I think they nailed pretty, maybe not Jean Grey, but she doesn't have hardly any screen time, but everybody else really, I think they nailed the characters pretty much to. Yeah, you can't tell who Jean Grey is, but you do know that she's powerful and she's on par with Professor X and that's about it. So I'd give it three and uh, I would recommend you go out and watch part two. Wow. Is this a common thing? Do you generally recommend that you watch it? Like out of your 19 episodes, what is your watch don't watch rate? Well, this is the first time I'd only done a one part of a two-parter just because I wanted to try something different to see if at the end we would convince them whether or not to see the episode. I'm usually, a majority of the stuff uh, we've given high rankings. Uh, I'd say only um, the, we did Fred and Barney meet the thing and that got about the lowest rating <laughs> possible. <laughs> Who did that, that with you? Me and Crockett did that one. I gave it half a spectro. It was okay. terrible. That sounds like a Crockett episode. And we did the Iron Man cartoon, and my guest, uh, he liked it better than I did. I was, I gave it around a one. I thought it was pretty bad. I didn't. I tried to watch it, and it stunk. Yeah, it would not get good. It stunk. But, like, we had done an episode on Spider-Man, the animated series. I gave it a high ranking. Batman, the animated series, a high ranking. Uh, yeah. We're usually pretty positive here on the, on the multiverse, but only a couple That's of That's great. I mean, you're bringing on people to talk about things they want to talk about, so. Yeah, exactly. That Rarely do I uh, surprise someone with, like, hey, uh, now you're on. We're going to watch absolute crap. <laughs> yeah, let's watch the Silver Surfer cartoon from the 90s. Every week we also ask, and... You, more than a lot of my guests, this is the appropriate question. If a child in 2021 stumbled across X-Men, the animated series, would they enjoy it? So I have a child. He's five. He knows what it is. He knows my action figures. But he could also just be like me where he just wants to be himself. He came in and I was watching. He goes, Dad, what are you watching? I was like, oh, it's X-Men, bud. And he says... We haven't watched that in a long time. I said, yeah, you want to sit down and watch it? Nope. And that was it. <laughs> so uh, it could be just him because he's very much like me when I was a kid. I just wanted to be unique. That's probably why I became a professional wrestler. So he, he could be like that. But I think there is a group of kids who could. And I'll explain it like this. I don't know if you're familiar because I'm vaguely familiar with it. But My Hero Academia. Have you heard of this? Yeah, there was a big, uh, on Twitter the other week, there was a big how to do about it. So that I'm kind of familiar, but I've never actually I'm read it. I'm going to tell you what it is. My Hero Academia is X-Men. They have almost the same stuff. Each person have what's called a quirk, which we call mutant abilities. <laughs> um, they're not really ostracized, you know, like the mutants are. But still, it's basically the same thing. And there's a massive following for it and they all have these weird quirks and, and that's what they do if it was x-men rather than my hero then people would be into it well my daughter's almost two she thoroughly was was hypnotized by it when she watched it with me when i was uh watching it for the show so i mean but she i don't know if she's a the, the measuring stick she likes a lot of different cartoons i uh <laughs> Compared to some of the animation now, it's a little, I don't think kids would like it as much, but I think most kids would get into it, especially if they know anything about superheroes or the X-Men. So uh, I think it's held up well over the, t I mean, this is only the one episode I have, I have to rewatch the series, but I feel like it held up pretty well. And 
I don't think kids would really dislike it. I think they would probably enjoy it. Yeah, I think for sure they would enjoy it. Like I'm saying, it could just be that it's my kid. Uh, it could be. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it, folks. If you uh, liked it more than we did, even though we gave it pretty high ranking, but uh, if you didn't like it, great. We can uh, take that away from you. Uh, we're all about spirited debate here at the Multiverse. Not uh, like, uh, like my tagline is, uh, no controversy, just fun. So... Hope you liked it. If you could uh, give me a comment on Facebook or Twitter and let me know if you enjoyed it or not. Uh, you can find me at Matt Spectro and my Facebook page is Matt Spectro Through the Multiverse. Uh, also follow me on Twitter. And if you have any uh, comments or anything, I want to hear from you. And if you could also uh, like, share, and subscribe to my uh, podcast, greatly appreciate it as well. This is the free plug time of our episode, Max. You want to uh, plug anything while you're here? Sure, if you decide uh, you listen to this and you want to follow me, you can follow me at Max Smashmaster on Twitter. I don't have an Instagram for that character. I have one for myself, but you can't follow me there. Um, but if this talk also inspired you to become a professional wrestler, you can do so at New England Pro Wrestling Academy. You can find us on the internet, NE Pro Wrestling on Twitter, on Facebook, NEProWrestling.com. That's the letters N E both those and you can sign up to be a professional wrestler trained by myself and chase del monte all right perfect any advice to uh, any of these uh, inspiring uh, young up-and-comers don't go to any other school but ours <laughs> i would say i can vouch for i've been to that school plenty of times it's an excellent school i would definitely recommend it for all my opinions worth but i recommend it as well you have the best opinion thanks max smash master i want to uh, thank you for joining us here in the multiverse glad we could finally make this happen I'm happy to be on, and I'm happy to be on whenever you need a guest, because this is fun, and this is stuff that I generally don't talk about on podcasts. Beautiful, and we, got, we definitely have to bring you back for the uh, Beast Wars episode, is that correct? Yeah, oh, I'm sorry, I've cursed three times, but Beast Wars is so awesome. Beautiful. All right, so uh, like I said, if you have any comments or anything and suggestions for other episodes, please uh, give us a holler. Until then, though, that's it from Matt Spectro. And Max Smashmaster, and join us again next week for another episode of Matt Spectro Through the Multiverse. <laughs>